0: Thank you for listening to the Missio Day Uptown Podcast. We are a church committed to our neighborhood, seeking to love and serve our beautifully unique community as we join God as He makes all things new. To learn more about us, visit mduptown.com. Well, good morning. Tiana asked me to share on spiritual practices. And so this morning, there's so much to share on that. So I'm going to give you just a taste. But in, when we're talking about spiritual practices, we're really talking about a banquet. There's so much, so much creativity within us, so much creativity that God has given us in how to connect with him, and how to love him. So we will just get a taste this morning. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your invitation to be here today. We thank you that you invite us to be closer to you, to tell you about our days To tell you about the hard things and the good things and the silly things that happen to us, Lord, to be a part of our lives. We thank you for the invitation that says you love us so much, that that's the kind of relationship you want with us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear your invitation and that you would help us at times when our ears aren't quite attuned, when we get tired. When we have hard times, Lord, we know you love us and you understand. And we ask that we would feel that presence so closely. We give you this time now, Lord, and we pray that um, the words that I say would land where they should. And we give it over to you in this sacred space. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, as I was talking to Tiana, uh, I was sharing that what came to me was sharing from Psalm 13. I said, have you done that recently? And she said, well, yeah, we have. And so I told her my idea, and she said, go ahead, just do it. Um, So I'm going to start with Psalm 13. Psalm 13 is a favorite of mine because I think it's one that we all can relate to. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Amen. When I read scripture, I am often curious I wonder about who's writing it, why they're writing it, what's going on in their lives when they're writing it. What was it like to be that character? How does her lesson speak into my life? How is his story a cautionary tale? Where do I see redemption? There have been times and seasons in my life when I have asked those same questions I find in Psalm 13. Where are you, God? I'm in a bad place, and I have no sense of your presence. I am so down that while I won't take my own life and have no desire to, waking up to another day of this feels like no joy. It seems like I have no friends, no one likes me, folks seem mad at me, and are just watching for me to make a wrong move, a misstep, and then they will gloat. In our world, it feels like the stakes are high. Make everyone at your job happy, or you may not have a job. One more drink or one more piece of chocolate cake may calm my anxious thoughts. We worry about our parenting, or if our kids are in a bad place, we beat ourselves up, wondering if it was our fault. We pause while you consider what you are doing in our lives. We think on what God might be saying in those times. We struggle with our anxious thoughts. But the curious thing for me was how did David get from verse 4 to verses 5 and 6? I so appreciate, and it is a relief, that he doesn't tough it out or try to act like it's okay. His feelings are real His struggles are real, and so are verses 5 and 6. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing of the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. I believe he could both feel what he was feeling and remember who God is, because he had spent so much time with God over the years. He did this through a number of things, including silence and solitude, poetry, and music making. What we see with David in the Psalms is a man who was very open and vulnerable with God. He didn't try to pretty it up, what he was going through. He used his songs and poetry to speak to God of his very human condition. The number of poems we find in Scripture is far likely fewer than he wrote. David regularly prayed and documented his prayers. Some, even as transparent as this one, were offered for public worship. David logged in time with God. Even when David did evil toward Bathsheba and Uriah, when confronted, he was able to receive correction and repent. It is not an easy thing for a man of power to stay true to God, nor to receive correction. David's response to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord, and it was not a small thing. He didn't say, okay, I blew it, let's move on. David took the hard road toward change, toward repentance. We find in Psalm 51, and if you would like to just let the words uh, flow over you, you can close your eyes. Let whatever comes, uh, sticks out for you, um, find a place in your heart. But I'm going to read part of Psalm 51. And what we are told is this is for the director of music, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. So here we do see what the circumstances were. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. "'Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. "'Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. "'Let me hear joy and gladness. "'Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. "'Hide your face from my sins "'and blot out all my iniquity. "'Create in me a pure heart, O God, "'and renew a steadfast spirit within me. "'Do not cast me away from your presence.' Or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And then we move into redemption. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, You, who are God my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. That does not sound like the prayer of a mighty man who doesn't have a relationship with God. This is truly heartfelt. Again, this psalm was made public. Where did David get the grit and honesty and desire to repent? I believe it was in part the result of his regular spiritual practices. When Jesus, fully human and fully God, asked God to take the cup from him in full transparency and humility, he chose God's will. And to me, that is a relief. We aren't privy to a lot of what Jesus prayed to God. We know he went off alone. We know that it was a priority. We know it was a regular part of his life. We don't know, but in that prayer, we know. We know that Jesus was able to, to ask God to let that cup pass. He could be honest with God. He didn't have to come to God and say, well, I know I'm supposed to be the Savior, and it's not supposed to bother me, but no. He came and he said, if you can, let the cup pass from me. And there are times in my life when it is such a blessing and such an encouragement to know I can say that too. Because my Savior said that. We know Jesus read Scripture and had logged a lot of time in Scripture, even as a boy. If you recall, when he was 12, he was teaching those who knew the, knew the most about Scripture at that time. He prayed. He found rest and solitude to recharge. He healed people in service to others regularly. He listened carefully to others and looked for opportunities to share the truth, both in his faith community and outside. He fasted and participated in public worship. Scripture says that it was his custom. These practices of both Jesus and David were not a box to tick off or something to feel more superior than the next guy about. They gave an opportunity for them to know God more intimately. The natural outcome of spending time with others as you get to know them is knowing them intimately. You notice things you admire, and you try to incorporate them into your life. When we know someone well, we are generous with our time with them and appreciate when they choose to spend time with us, and we are changed. God is spirit. Spending time with God through scripture or prayer or service or worship takes some getting used to, some imagination, some faith in the process. Spiritual practices can be like that. We have to do them and they may, they may feel clunky and hard, and when you forget all about God until the last fumes of energy in the day, remember what G.K. Chesterton said, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. The effect is cumulative. After lots of time with, David, with God, David could say, this feels very dark to me. But I have gotten to know God, and while my feelings are my reality, the truth about God is that he can be trusted, and he has been good to me. I have another bit of curiosity that rolls around in my mind. What is it like when we receive the invitation to show up and spend time with him, and we take him up on it? What's it like for God? I know in my own flawed life how much it means when I have a meal with friends or family or when a friend says, let's go to a movie. What is it like for God, our creator, the one who made us and knows us, who loves us so much when we show up just to be with him? It reminds me of When my grandsons were little, they would sit on a uh, porch swing. And uh, I had the opportunity to watch them in that setting a fair amount of time. And at the end of the day, around 3 o'clock, I would give them each a popsicle. And they would sit on the porch swing. And then they would say, Come sit by us, Grandma. So I would nestle myself in between the two boys and they'd ha- be slurping their popsicles and by the time it was over, I was all full of you know orange and red and purple popsicle. But during that time, they told me all about their day, the bugs they found, um, the weird holes they found in the ground wondering what was in them. They told me about the storm and how scared they were or how they weren't scared, depending on what the day was. They would tell me about the crabs they found or wondered about why lightning bugs lit up when other bugs didn't. And why do bugs seem to go to the light and hang around outside their house? So we had all kinds of opportunities to connect. But it started with an invitation. Come sit by us, Grandma. And I believe God is offering us that same invitation. Come sit by me. Tell me about your day. What's important to you? And in telling Him about our day, we learn things about ourselves as well. We learn ab- those places where we might not feel very trusting. But again, we keep being with God, and God changes us. That time on the porch swing, every time, was a sacred space. And I may not have recognized it as such at that time, but it was. It was a sacred space. And it's interesting that all these years later, it has found a way into a sermon. On the table, next, or on your tables, and I love the symbol of tables for church. I love, you know, where is a more intimate, comfortable place to be than at tables at church? And I know that sometimes it's hard. I just want to recognize sometimes it's hard. To be able to um, talk to people you don't know. Sometimes it feels really uncomfortable. And so do whatever you need to make yourself comfortable. But I would encourage you to talk over some of these things. On the uh, slip is um, a number there are a number of questions that starts with an invitation, because invitation is why we're here. Come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. From Mark 31. The questions go like this. Share as you are comfortable in a spiritual practice you have found to be life-giving. How does it feel to consider a spiritual practice to be an invitation from God? What practice in this list makes you curious or feels challenging? Or you feel some resistance. Often, resistance is something to be curious about. Choose one practice to engage with God this week. And let's get specific. Where are you going to engage and when? And then I made a list of just a few spiritual practices that I have noticed in the life of Jesus. And while there are so many more things to be said about prayer, fasting, public worship, reading scripture, um, solitude and silence, service and meditation, um, we won't get to those today, but you may get to them in your group. And so let me pray for you while we um, come to this. And Tiana, our, what's the plan for Ann Sathers this morning? Were you all able to hear that? They're going to bring Ann Sathers around to your tables and you can get coffee and then we'll settle in and then we can begin discussion. And I'll let you know when we'll start and then you'll, you'll feel like you can get settled. Oops. So let me pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for our friends, our friends we know, our friends we don't know yet, We thank you for the people who have been invited to this space and shown up. And we ask, Lord, that you would touch our hearts where you want to. We trust you to do the work that you want to do. And so, Lord, in this lovely time of being able to share food with one another, be able to share time, I pray that you would help us to be aware of your presence here with us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Missio Day Uptown Podcast. We are a church committed to our neighborhood, seeking to love and serve our beautifully unique community as we join God as he makes all things new. To learn more about us, visit mduptown.com.